Okay, I think it should be good. I think so. After our, our uh, couple minutes of technical difficulties, we're, we're on the air. Yeah. Well, Marissa, welcome. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you were just saying that you had your first race in a year earlier today. Yeah, um, it was just a 60. There's only three people in the race because we can only have 10 people in the facility. Um, so it was really weird vibes. There was like no one else there. But um, I still actually had like the nerves and everything because it was kind of weird just like feeling out a race again and like something that actually kind of counted. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not like overly thrilled with the way it went, but I'm glad I got the opportunity to kind of like get the first one out of the way because I know like here on out I can just like continue moving forward and keep getting faster. I know I'm a lot faster also than like what I performed tonight. So, um I'm just going to take it as a win and learn from it and just continue moving forward. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the months to come. It's just like a really stressful time because there's just a lot of uncertainty with like all of our competitions and everything. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Nice. Love it. How was a lot? So your last race in a year, what was your, your race a year ago like in comparison to today? Was, was there people in the last one? Was it still kind of in the same state? Um, it was much different. Uh, there was probably about like 60 girls running, um, in the 60. So, you know, it's always like a popular event for indoor. Um, and it was at U of T and there was like tons of people around and it was like obviously a lot higher energy and stuff. And then we had today, it was at York. There were four officials, three athletes, and that was it. <laughs> so how does it work? You guys, do you do them just kind of run in and run out? There's no so, pre pre track running warm up station. Yeah, so we get about like uh, an hour and a half. So we basically um, have an hour to warm up. Then we'll do like a sixty round one, and then at five thirty we did a sixty round two. So within the thirty minutes you get two runs, which is great. Um, but yeah, again it was just like really weird vibes because there was no one else around. There's only three people running, and like the other. The one girl beside me was my teammate and the other girl we like train at the same facility. So it wasn't like it was weird because I did have those nerves, but it was also like I was looking around. I was like, no one's here. This is so weird. It just feels like another day at practice because it's also where we're training right now as well. So, um, yeah, it was just it was weird. <laughs> that's, that's the best. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. What uh, how have you been able to keep up with you said you're training it's the same place that you are training? Have you been? Um, have you, has your training program continued like through the past few months? Has it changed? Has it, have you had to slow down as a result? And, uh, has it, I wouldn't say we've had to, we haven't had to slow down at all because, um, we have the facility at York university with the 200 meter track, 110 meter straight. So that's been, um, a blessing to have as well as like the athletics Canada East hub, which is like our national training, one of our national training centers. We have like our full weight room like full access to like all the um resources we need like massage chiro physio sports psych nutrition like we have all of that available to us right now um having had said that i would have been to like two warm weather countries by now uh for training camps so i'm kind of struggling a little bit with the uh winter blues i guess you can say because this is the most winter i think i've had to endure in like years so um, I, I'm, I'm so spoiled saying that, but um, <laughs> that's just like, I guess the reality that I've 
had the last like few years of my life and kind of like navigating the space now of being indoors, um, continuing to train on a 200 meter track as, a, as opposed to a 400 meter track. It's definitely been a little bit challenging and also kind of maintaining um, that fire, I guess you can say, to training every single day has been a little more challenging. But again, I just like remind myself, I'm so grateful to have like the facilities that I do have access to. So um, although we can't travel right now, I am still really grateful for what we have. So I can't complain. I think it's important to put things into perspective. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Do you guys have to get tested at all when you're training or before any of these major events? Like you no. said, this is the first event, right? Yeah. So they're calling this like the Athletics Ontario, like high performance series. So basically the only people that have the opportunity to run in these are whoever's like training at the Athletics Canada East Hub right okay. now, basically. They're not like allowing um, other people to like join the races and stuff like that, just because like obviously COVID, um, we could only have ten people in the entire facility at once. So just like the logistics of an actual track meet happening right now are so um, complicated. But um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought. But <laughs> um, kind of going back to um, just like having that those small numbers, it's really difficult to kind of get that done right now. So. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Don't worry, I lose my train of thought almost on every single episode. And I've gone about like ninety of these, Rick, maybe more. Uh, actually, this is, I think is ninety nine. Come on, I think this is ninety nine. It's fitting that you have two Greeks on it. Yeah, <laughs> of course we do. There's there's Greek count number one. We were joking before we got on air. I'm like, I wonder how many times. I don't know if you can tell from my last name. I am also Greek. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Rick's like, I wonder how many times is gonna come up that. Greece is the best and all that. I was like, I was like, <laughs> of course. What's um, the best place in the world? Mykonos well, is the best right, place to so, travel. So obviously not to digress too much because obviously we want to talk about the track, but Rick's actually come to my hometown in uh, in Greece. And Rick, it's the best place in the world, right? Center of the universe. Center <laughs> of the universe. Niata. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, go there when I found out that like all of our training camps were kind of put on pause um so I was like oh my god why don't I just move there for the next while and like live with my uncle and um you know kind of just like enjoy the hot weather and everything but it's so hard to first of all I can I would never drive in Greece so not having a car would be so difficult to like kind of get to like training and stuff like that but I was definitely considering going um and staying there for the next few months until I can compete in Europe so that was definitely at the top Mind. I I was in the same. I mean, I'm obviously not an athlete, but I was just debating going and spending a whole like the whole summer <laughs> winter there because I, in hindsight, probably should have gone. I was kind of like worried at first, but yeah. Anyways, that's probably the one thing I'm like. I've been fortunate enough that I can go almost every summer, I've, more or less. I've like um, go with our family every summer, but this is the fir- that was the first summer I hadn't gone in a while. And it's funny. I I said I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna go in 2020. I'm fortunate enough to go every year. Let me take a break, go somewhere else. As soon as COVID hit, I was like, wow, I really want to go to Greece now. Like, this kind of sucks. And it kind of made me want to go more, even though I plan not to go at all. It was, but kind of, kind of suck, but it's okay. It'll, it'll still Marissa, be. Marissa, where's your family from in, uh, in Greece? They're from Calavita. So, like, in the mountains. Yeah. Not, so is not that near Sparta or near Athens? <laughs> we're close to Athens. Okay. Yeah, we're not an hour and a half to two hours, I would say. But yeah, it's like mountains, farmland. Like not very many people know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's like our town. When Rick came, it's so 
our our town is very very small it's like 500 people but it's surprisingly lively like a lot of surrounding areas come in and i remember rick rick came we had um you know what a panahiti is yes that's my favorite thing to go to (laughs) (laughs) i told you it's a thing rick okay so So, let me tell the story let me tell the story (laughs) <laughs> so me and so George's cousin is also named George. There, there's two George Batalsons. So it's George, he's GB1. And then we have little George, who's technically like twice the size of us. But anyway, so me and little George traveled together. So we got off the plane, let's call it Friday morning. I took two sleeping pills before I got on, uh, right when we got on the plane. So I was like, I'm going to wait till we eat. So we ate. But the problem is the food didn't come for like three hours. Then I took the sleeping pill. And I didn't know when you take it with food, it takes longer to kick in. So I slept on the plane ride. But we got off the plane, and I couldn't keep my eyes open. Like, we're in line in customs. I'm falling asleep. We're sitting down to get our bags. I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep everywhere. So we have the two-hour drive from the airport to Nyata. Two hours, George, give or take? Uh, No, more. Like, three and a half, maybe more. Three and a half. So so slept the whole car ride. We got to Nyata, slept. So we wake up. It's a Panayiri. So at this point, I'm like, I've slept for, honestly, 18 hours, basically straight. So we get there. We sit down at the table. We're having uh, locomotives. Yes, yeah, locomotives. Yeah, so we're having those. We've got some beer. We're having a good time. And whatever, I'm maybe like 10 beers deep and uh, like eight boxes of these little fried donuts deep. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, my eyes are starting to shut. And the problem is I couldn't control it. So I'm sitting upright at the table just, yeah, I'm here, guys. The best part is like, so my, in our town with the Panayiri is it's so small in the little like square in the platea and the music is so loud, like it's deafening. And Rick is asleep, like snoring, sitting yeah. up, right? People, people around them are like, who's this, like this random guy you brought here? Can't even stay awake for the best party of the year. And it's kind of been a running joke in our family. Now. Like the whole village knows him. He's like a celebrity in Greece. I'm a celebrity everywhere I go. Hello, the Pals podcast. <laughs> But that actually is a good a kind of little segue there because I wanted to ask. And um, I read somewhere that you're you're a Krinos sponsored athlete. How yeah. does that spot? That's probably like the best sponsorship. And I also know you're associated with Nike, but I'll take Krinos over that. <laughs> <laughs> so how does how did that come about? Like where did yeah? Tell us about so, that. So um, our uh, CEO of Athletics Canada, he actually is like childhood friends with. Um, Mr. Georgiatis, who is like the CEO of Krinos. Um, so they, you know, were started, they were talking one day and he was, they were talking about, you know, like an athlete to sponsor and everything. Like they thought it would be really cool to kind of get into that area. And they obviously knew that, um, that the CEO that he's friends with is part of Athletics Canada. And so, um, they he immediately thought of me because he's like she's the only greek girl i know um (laughs) that runs at that level and that would probably want to represent your company um and so basically like my agent just like started chatting with them and we had a meeting and that was pretty much it and then now i have uh a lot of feta and (laughs) all my favorite things (laughs) that uh i eat uh we were already crino stands before so it's like it was just the best thing ever yeah your family was like yes yes let's go <laughs> yeah. lifetime supply your parents were like this these finally all these years of waking up early for trainings all that finally paid off Lifetime <laughs> supply. <of Feta. laughs> i can tell you right now if, my, if i was a good enough athlete and i got my parents a lifetime so like just krinos whenever 
they'd be like, you're the, our favorite child. Like, you, yeah. you, you can pull her off. <laughs> yeah, and it's so fun when they, like, send a shipment because there's this, like, massive Krenos truck that, like, shows up in front of our house. And it's, like, people are probably thinking, like, what the heck are these people getting? Like, they're getting, like, do- door-delivered, like, all this, like, prime Greek food. <laughs> Rick, just just so you know, Krinos is like the best feta. Like you go, like we, my parents, we go to, out of our way to like we go to Costco just to get it because like everywhere else the feta's like eh. Krinos is like the gold standard of, of feta cheese. That's, it, eh? that's that's the goat of the the Greek cheese, the feta it's cheese. Literally also made a goat milk, so yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> literally the goat. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Elaine knows all about it. Sure, Elaine's my mom, who's definitely listening. Shout out Elaine again every single episode. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> moms are like the part. I mean, there's a lot of, we have a lot of listeners, but our moms like our diehard fans in every episode. Yeah. Um, well, Marissa, tell us, I guess, so you've got Krenos, which is obviously a big one. How did, how did Nike happen? Um, okay. <laughs> so. I love, uh, uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I love when like people laugh before telling a story. Cause you're like, you know, this is a good one. I mean, yes. Like it just like came about really randomly. So, um. Uh, October of 2019, my agent like sent me a text message. He was in Doha for the world championships. I was preparing for the Dubai world championships at that time. And, um, I don't know, like prior to this, we were approaching a lot of different like shoe brands, like to get a shoe deal, like Under Armour, Adidas, like no one was really like kind of taking on to it like para athletes are still a very like untouched space in Canada like I'm the first female Nike athlete that's also a para athlete so um congrats that's sick space and so yeah like my agent like texted me and he's like uh Nike wants to sign you and I was like hold on where did this come from because (laughs) I I thought this wasn't gonna happen like I thought maybe like after Tokyo like like my goal is to medal so like hopefully a medal then like things would maybe start to come up and whatnot and he said no yeah they like they really wanted to sign you they think it's important to have like uh more para representation in Canada and the Canadian market so I was like that's huge uh yes I would love to sign with them (laughs) Uh, so and I I I always um I've always been a Nike girl like ever since I was like a little kid I always loved watching like the Nike commercials and like my biggest goal is like looking at that I was like I want to be in one of those commercials when I'm older because that just meant like you achieved a certain standard of like holding a certain amount of like influence where you're impacting people in a positive way because that's how I felt deeply when I was watching those commercials because I knew those like athletes worked so hard to get to where they were and that was just like my biggest goal one of my biggest goals and so kind of like signing with them and getting a whole bunch of opportunities with them like I walked in their kit drop for New York Fashion Week at the start of 2020 um in front of Drake, Travis Scott, Kendrick Lamar like it was actually insanity so I think just like signing with them it's been amazing just like all the opportunities they've given me um the platform that I've been able to speak on that they provide is incredible it's just another way that I can share my story on a bigger on a bigger platform and um to help educate people more on parasport and make para athletes more known so I'm very yeah I'm very grateful for that for that partnership I love that that's great cool I mean even the fact that like I'm I'm speaking very partially I am like I only wear like literally anything athleisure wise Nike it's all I mean like I think all three of us have Nike on right now yeah 
mine, mine, I didn't do this purposely. Like, I'm not, I'm not one of those like <laughs> only like stripes till, or checks till I die kind of people. I'm a whatever's on sale at Costco kind of guy. But yeah. Georgie's uh, a diehard checks over stripes or whatever the the phrase is. I mean, I don't know. I said I just really like Nike. I love their stuff. But I, I think it's really besides that point. I think it's really really cool that like that you wanted to do it for the reason like you. You believe in the brand as well and what they stood for. And I think that's really cool because obviously it goes without saying Nike stand like they don't just they're not like just a sports brand. They stand for a lot and they take a lot of uh they do, you know, put their their name on a lot of I guess like important matters, social matters. I don't know what, what uh what term I would use, but yeah, and it obviously recent years you've seen it escalate more. So that's really cool that number one, that you dreamt of doing that as a kid and that like, now you have the opportunity to kind of be a face of that. So honestly, good for you. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think just like, um, how they really push for equality is something that I definitely have aligned myself with and honestly couldn't see myself like aligning with other brands because they just like really push the forefront of, um, challenging like the, the norm. And I love that because, um, my whole life, I think I just, I grew up in a society that wasn't built for people like me and I didn't see people that looked like me um not often at all so uh just to be that example and to have that opportunity to be that example for someone else especially in Canada because I just feel like it's still an untapped market here um there's so much potential for growth in parasport parathletics so uh yeah that's why I'm just like really grateful no good that that honestly is amazing especially that you're the first female para athlete and is it in Can- i'm assuming in canada right yeah the first canadian female para athlete to be sponsored by nike yeah because yeah, we just had tyler mcgregor who's also another para athlete and he said that he was having trouble finding some sponsorships with some of the bigger brands because para athletes aren't on that same level which to me doesn't make sense i i love all olympians i don't like you don't know this and again i'm gonna say this because i say it every <laughs> time i have like olympians are the coolest people in the world to me just because you know, they're the best of the best in the world, you know, competing on that stage. So, um, yeah, I think that Paralympians or Olympians, it doesn't matter. They're still the best of the best. So, um, George, I cut you off there. Yeah, no, no, actually, like, I'm, as you're talking, I wrote a, a couple of things down. One of the things you said was like, it was one of your, uh, one of your biggest goal, one of your biggest, but not your biggest goal. I mean, I probably, a, we probably know the answer, but what is your biggest goal? To be the world champion at what I do. Uh, I want to break a world record. I want to get a gold medal. I want to do all that. I'm still very young, um, but I've also been in the sport for a long time. It's like my ninth season that I've been doing this. Um, I started when I was 12. My first national team was when I was 15. So I feel like I've had a lot of experience through all of this, but um, the best I think is yet to come, honestly, because i um, they say like track athletes peak at around like 26, 27 years old. So um, I have yet to hit that like very far from that. I have so much more in me. Uh, so every year is like a learning process and a growth process. I mean, I've I've dealt with a lot of challenges over the last few years. Um, so, yeah, just kind of like navigating through this space and like learning more about myself as a person and an athlete and just kind of like sticking to um, my values and to continue to grow, I think has been, um, a challenge, but a very rewarding challenge at the same time. So, um, I just, 
want to continue to like better myself every single day and at the end of end of the day I think about um just like setting personal bests doing my very personal best and hoping that lands me where I want to go awesome I, I wanted to rewind a little bit so you said you started at tw- this is your ninth season you started when you were 12 what inspired <laughs> you to to become a runner a sprinter So um, I was always like very infatuated with track and field, but I did like every other sport Uh, when I was younger. I did soccer, I did tennis, skiing, gymnastics, um, basketball, like literally everything else. Um, And I loved soccer. I thought I was going to play soccer forever. Um, I played till I was 15 years old and um track was something that again like when I was younger I was always really interested in but I didn't have a running blade I couldn't really get one at the time so um wasn't something I did competitively and my parents uh wanted me to stick with team sports until I was a little older just because it's tough like being in an individual sport is very tough especially when you specialize in it as well so um yeah like my dad always took me to like high school track meets he's a high school principal so he would take me to watch like some of his students run and like one of his students like used to run for Team Canada, who was like my future teammate at that time, like Marlon Allen. And so I was always so like in awe with watching them all the time as like a young girl that I was like, I really want to do this. So I would always do track and field at school every single year in elementary school. And I did pretty well. Like I'd make the city finals and everything. And I was like the only kid with a disability. But um, then it was Stephanie Reed, who currently runs for Great Britain. Uh, she has the same disability as myself. She has an uh, amputation below the knee on one leg. And um, she, I had known her since I was a baby because we met at a Warrants Champs conference um, when she had lost her leg in a boating accident. And so um, I kind of always knew about her. And then seeing her kind of starting up track and getting a running blade and then going to the Paralympics in 2012, Um, that was really, really inspiring to me. And so I really, that's when I really wanted to get into track and I saw what was possible and I knew more about the Paralympics and I learned more about the Paralympics. Um, and that's kind of where I started to navigate that space and that pathway for myself. And I think everything else kind of just like took place from there. Wow. That's really great. That's honestly like good for you to pursue that and like be so passionate about it. I wonder, like, when you were a kid, so you were just always an athlete. There was yeah. never a part of me, a part of you where you said, you know, like, I have a disability. This is too tough. I'm not going to do it. It seems like you played every sport. You did everything under the moon or under yeah. the sun, whatever the expression is. I did. And I was the only kid with a disability, like, partaking in any of the sports I did. Um, soccer was my, like, one true love for a very long time. I'm, I'm in a soccer family. I had a cousin that played in Division Two in the Premier League. Um, and, uh, my dad played a high level of soccer in Canada and, uh, my sister plays soccer and, you know, it's just always about soccer here. And, um, I loved playing, but then I just kind of stopped loving it as much as I started like loving track. Um, but yeah, like, I think I just grew up in that environment of like sports, sports, sports. <laughs> so I didn't really have a, a choice, but it was like definitely my calling and my passion because um, even though I had no other choice when I was younger, my parents always like threw me into everything. Um, I like really did have a love for like everything I tried and everything I did. So um, yeah, that's just like 
definitely something that I've identified with my whole entire life. Did uh, when you were when you were young coming up through sport, did you face like and I guess on the level you competed, it seems like you know you're an athlete. Obviously, I'm guessing you're competing at like a fairly high level. Or at least you're a competitive person. But did you face adversity? Was it like when you're really young? Is it you know was it like oh you know I'm not like one of these kids or anything like that? Was it was it tougher or did you just kind of acclimate and like you know were people accommodating at that age? Like how how was that in your in your youth days? Yeah, I think I was very fortunate to live in a community that like always supported me. I don't I was never bullied in elementary school, high school. Um, I was always encouraged by my peers and my friends. But um, and then my dad, like every soccer team that I was like every rep soccer team that I was on, he was like my coach. So I guess that kind of helped. Like I never had to deal with like a coach that was like discriminatory or didn't like include or kind of like turn me away for any reason. Um, but I always had this like desire in me to prove that I was better than everybody else. So, (laughs) um, I always just like worked really hard and tried really hard. Um, and I think that definitely like shows precedent to like the person I am today. It's just like, I always push to be like the best version of myself. And, um, yeah, I would never, I would never say I had like a very tough experience growing up, but there were times like, I remember when I was doing my very first year of track and that was when I had like my running blade and everything and I was actually like like when you have a going from like an <coughs> leg to a running blade it kind of like opens up this whole new world of opportunity because it's like you automatically just get so much faster because it replicates more of what a actual human foot can do so I think because of that I was like oh my god this is amazing and I was feeling really great about myself And then I went to like the city finals. I came, I think I came third in the city finals for running long jump. And um, uh, there was like someone on the side, I can hear them just talking about how I had an advantage because I had that special leg. And this was like a parent of a kid. And at the time I was like, what do you mean special leg? Like I'm missing my leg. Like, how is this an advantage over... And I think she was just salty because I, like, beat her kid. But, I mean... You should have flipped her the bird. <laughs> like, 12-year-old. <laughs> Imagine a 12-year-old flipping off a parent. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did hear, like, little sly comments like that, but never anything to really bug me too much. Um, so, yeah, that I guess that's pretty much it in a nutshell. On uh, and it kind of on that same vein, when you are on the track and you know competing, and there's people around, or even your competitors, what's your persona? Are you like someone who's very stoic? Do you talk shit? Like what? How, how do you act when you li- like when you get into the line? Like how how are you? Yeah, she's you laughing. Act? She's laughing. She's got something. <laughs> I don't know. Like people. Okay, late. So the other day, my my boyfriend told me, he's like, you know, you're like an intimidating person, right? And I was like, wait, what? I thought I looked, came across like really nice. Um, like I thought I was always a friendly person and I like to think I like treat people with kindness all the time. But he's like, yeah, like I think some people think like you're really intimidating. And I was like, no, there's no way. I'm like five, four. Like I'm like, there's no way. I was like, I'm like five, four little child. Like there's no way but I can kind of see how I can send off that vibe sometimes um, especially when I'm in my training environment because I am like pretty an intense person um but I'm also like that friendly person at the same time I'm like 
talking to my competitor. I'm like, hey, like, how's it going? Like, how have you been since the last time I saw you? Like, I will kind of do that because it also, like, makes me feel a little bit better just, like, kind of being a little more casual. Um, so I think I'm a mix of both. Like, I'm intense, but I'll also kind of, like, chat with people around me and, like, make light of the situation because it kind of takes the pressure off. And I'm like, I'm here for fun. Like, that is, like, the first reason I do this is because I enjoy it. So um, it's like, I take it seriously, but at the same time, um, I have fun with it and I enjoy what I do. That, that's awesome. I can just picture you getting up to this, like getting up to the blocks, giving someone a dirty look and they're like, oh yeah, how was your weekend? Remember the last time I beat you? Yeah, I'm good too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Sorry. Okay. So I, I want to get into, I guess, like, I guess in high school, that's when you got the running blade. Um, it was like grade seven, so like middle school. Okay, and th- and that's when it it really took off, and you were like, "This is what I want to do. I'm good at this. I'm gonna stick with this." Soccer is more of a, a secondary sport now. Mm-hmm. It was I so I did both for one, two, four years, and it was hard. Um, I would so I was training four days a week in track, and then like three days a week in soccer. And sometimes I would go from track practice to soccer practice. Um, and your legs are jello yeah like it, and I was also a goalkeeper as well so I would do like these intensive like goalkeeping training sessions that would just like blast me with this like crazy Greek guy <laughs> so <laughs> there's number two there's number two the second mention <laughs> so uh yeah and like he's also like friends with my dad so he's always super hard on me so um that was very very tough but I was able to manage for the time like through grade seven eight nine ten but then once I reached grade ten Um, And then I actually started making national teams then. So I was like, okay, this is a lot. I think I got to pick one. Soccer was starting to become a little too like dramatic for me. Um, Like we're kind of hitting that age, like 15 years old where girls start to like lose interest. And like, I've always been a very intense, like athletic and intense person. (laughs) So um, like when other people don't take things seriously, it like really angers me. Um, So I think I was like, we were starting to get to that point um and I started losing interest in the sport as well so it's like you know if I'm not going to give this my all anymore I can't like I can't continue and I also knew that I had like so many great opportunities in track so that's where I was like okay I think it's like an appropriate time to pack it in like I've played the sport for 13 years I gave it a go and it was fun while it lasted but it was time for a change so that was kind of like when I transitioned is you said 15 so it's 15 very young to be on the national team uh, yes. <laughs> okay. So at yeah. what age were you, so you're competing against 18, 19 year olds? When I was, uh, my first worlds was in 2015. I, I turned 16 at the competition. So I have a late birthday. So technically I was 16. Um, and I think everyone else was at least 20 and up. Okay. So you were the child of the, the, the tournament. Yes, like in in base, and then on the on our Canadian team as well. Like I've always been the baby, um, and I think I was really used to that. But it also kind of like pushed me to grow up a little bit quicker. Um, I think I've always been like a pretty mature person. Like my parents would always make jokes, like talking back about when I was really young and how like I was like three going on thirty. Um, so I think like it never really was an issue for me being like so young with all these older people around me at the time because I was like 
I felt like I was like in my element like this is me this is where I should be um and yeah it, it was definitely like intimidating though like but then a little part of me was always like very um ignorant when it came to like world competitions at that age because I didn't know any better like I didn't know who I was racing against I was like I just thought oh these are just like other competitors and I'm just gonna do my thing um it's actually like the mental game's a lot harder now than it was when I was 15 to be honest so can't see him anymore my the laptop almost died I just got a notification I was like oh shoot I gotta run over what a guy. Um, it was charging, but the uh, the block it was charging to wasn't turned on. Not my fault, because I didn't plug it in last night, Georgie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so going in, like, I guess two things on this. Like, going in, I guess being, like, younger, I mean, not to say naive, but obviously, like, you're not, it's your first competition. So do you think that that helped you, like, stay more calm and just not overthink everything? Or what did you think that then you got there and you're like, oh, shit, maybe I didn't realize how serious this is going to be. Like, what, how was it when you, when you first got there? Um, yeah, I think exactly how you described it. Like, I was, like, naive going into it, and I didn't know any better. And I think I was still naive when I was there, but obviously, like, it became more real. But, again, like, seeing, because Parasport is not as mainstream as Olympic sport, you don't necessarily know who, like, the superstars are. So when I was walking around like my competitors, I had no idea that this was the world record holder or this was this. So I was just like, again, like very naive to the whole situation. Um, so in terms of like my mental performance, looking back, it was a lot easier then because I didn't know any better and I kind of just did my thing. But now kind of like being <laughs> at 21, being a seasoned veteran. <laughs> <laughs> um, a wily vet at 21. It's a lot tougher now because um, I'm a lot more hyper aware, not only of myself, but like the people that surround me. And um, it's easier to, you know, I was always that young girl that came in and started like beating the older girls. But now there's also younger people that are starting to come in and are running like just as fast and making teams as well. So kind of being in this position now I feel like I'm in the middle ground where I'm not like on the older spectrum but I'm not on the younger either so um it is interesting kind of like how this has transitioned in the last few years but um I think every day I'm, I'm continuing to work on like my mental performance and just like kind of coming back to focusing on myself and kind of believing in my process and trusting my training and just like again kind of forgetting about what other people do and at the end of the day, track is an individual sport. It's a, it's a selfish sport a little bit. And um, if I can't, you know, believe in myself at the end of the day, then it's it will dictate how I perform. So it's just a it's a battle of trying to balance out those, you know, that self-doubt and when stuff like that kind of creeps in. But I think for the most part, after all the experiences I've had in the last few years, I've had like two major injuries. I got disqualified in my Paralympic debut race tore my hamstring twice um so I think that just with all these experiences that I've kind of had to overcome it's helped shape the athlete I am but also helped shape my mental performance as well when dealing with tough situations and how to handle them moving forward how how much do you uh would you say that the mental performance 
affects your your ability on the on the track because you mentioned even earlier that your dad wants you playing team sports and I'm 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 going to take a guess that it's because if he wants you to have you know have friends and I I don't want to say blend in but he wants you to have that normal kind of life of playing with friends and and the team sports because it does affect your mental the, your mental state right playing alone is a lot more difficult than playing with others so how much does the mental aspect affect your your game and your performance I would say now it's hard to kind of give a percentage because I feel like it's it could be different on any given day. For my race today, I would say it affected like 60% of my performance today because um, it was a whole year since I raced last. And, um, you know, you kind of get these nerves and like you second guess yourself a little bit. And um, sometimes even like on that first one, you kind of even forget your training a little bit and like what you've been doing. And um, everything kind of like can go numb a little bit. Um, I think day to day in training, it sometimes can be difficult because I'm the only short sprinter on my in my training group. I train with two long sprint girls, so they run the 400. So on the days that we have like our longer run days, they're doing like 300s and 400s when I'm doing like 200s because obviously I'm, I'm only a 100, 200 meter sprinter. I don't need to be running 400 meters. Um, so often those workouts are done on my, by myself because all of our other teammates that we typically train with can't train at the facility right now. So, um, it's, it's that like constant, like loneliness, I guess you can say, um, just like with the current state we're in, usually I'm, I'm used to running like a big pack of girls and it's like very powerful and you feel like stronger and you have like all these people around you to like lift you up and like to push you and to keep going so I think right now um that's been a little bit of a challenge for me is kind of just like getting used to being more on my own and like really really pushing myself to run faster by myself um so yeah I, the mental side of track is huge because it is just yourself at the end of the day like you can train as many hours as you can. You can feel as fast as you can. But when it comes to like actually competing and getting in that mind space of knowing that, okay, just like putting everything aside and actually knowing that you can do it is a lot easier said than done. And um, again, I was just like, I mentioned it before, like that belief in yourself is, um, is so important yet so difficult to do. So for me, like, I think after having, like, a few races in the beginning of the season, I'll be able to kind of get back into that mindset of just, like, knowing that I can do it and I can believe in myself and, um, you know, knowing that there'll be a day that's not as great as the day before. But, you know, just being able to take that and continue moving forward and knowing that the next day is going to be better. So, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to add to, so, like, to your point, you know, when you're training by yourself, it's got to, you know, you're obviously feeling like you're on an island, I guess, sometimes. But I, I would ask on the flip side, you know, the 100, 200 are typically really exciting events. Everybody, you know, wants to see people fire out the blocks and it's, you know, the fastest, whatever they call it, the the 100 meter. What do you call it? Um, and it's the most exciting something. 10 seconds in sport or something like that, right? <laughs> so, like, on the like my sex side, game. Yeah, like when you're standing there in the blocks and like you're competing on the national level or on the global, yeah, the world level, like it's got to feel like it's all worth it. And it's like, okay, I'm not lonely here. Like I'm here to, you know, put a show on it and, and take that medal home. Yeah, I think like for me, I'm definitely a person that likes to put on a show. I love running in front of people. Um, 
like people are like how did you run against like 40,000 people and I was like I loved every second of it <laughs> I think it's way more fun it's so like the adrenaline rush you get is insane like when I was I competed at London Olympic Stadium in 2017 and it was full for the 100 meter semi I think I ran and um yeah just like that rush and obviously being Canadian everybody loves you so you get like this massive <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I love it. And I love, um, I love getting to that moment because it is like all that time of like the tough, the toughness, it's like so worth it. And my coach always says something, you know, like it gets easy later and it like, it's such a true statement because like during all these months of hard training, it's so tough. Like (laughs) I can't even cook, like sugarcoat it. Like there are days that are very tough and, um, you know, some days are obviously better than others, but for the most part, training is hard. Um, but I still love it. Like, I love pushing myself and I love kind of seeing the trends, especially in a sport like track. You really see your progress day to day and how you've started from one space and ended up in another. Um, so, yeah, just like being able to go through this whole process and then finally make it to that final race um, where it really, really means something is very special and it makes all that um stuff that happened before it worth it what I, I got a kind of random question but i'm just very curious about it now what music do you listen to pre-race drake uh-huh. i like i just picture you got like future and drake blaring me. in the background and you're like ready to rock and roll right here <laughs> you're just rocking it um yeah She's like got, drake, you got the nike plug though so drake travis scott um yeah, future, the weekend. Um, yeah, those are like definitely my go-to's. I love I love listening to rap and hip hop, even some R and B like Chris Brown, um, Usher, like throwbacks from like the early two thousands. Usher throwbacks was a yeah. banger. <laughs> you remind me literally. It's like on my like I listen to it almost every single night when I shower. It's like one of my shower songs. I don't know why. Yeah. Random fact. I didn't even, I've known you for a decade. I never knew that. <laughs> so I have the XX. I have a couple of tracks from the XX. I have Usher. Um, you remind me uh, a couple other songs from that album, 8701 or whatever. Yeah, a couple like old school Usher songs. Uh, the the um, couple of Rufus songs, the XX, London Grammar, and Bob Moses. It's like a weird compilation of just random songs. Oh, I guess a lot of those go together and Usher's just kind of tossed in there. Yeah, I love it because like it's so funny. Like listening to like songs from back in like 2004 to 2008, I was like, I had no business singing these songs when I was in elementary school. Like, why was that allowed? <laughs> it's like all these yeah. songs are so dirty and inappropriate, and my like eight year old self was jamming out every like basketball <laughs> practice. Like I remember it clearly. There's just like certain songs too that are so nostalgic and make me think of like going to specific like trainings, like going to basketball practice or going to soccer practice. Like I remember hearing it, all those songs on the radio. It's so nostalgic to me. I love it. It's like kids singing I Can't Feel My Face like by the weekend. Like in, in elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what that song's about. <laughs> uh, on that kind of same kind of thing do you have any idols you look up to or any any pro athletes anyone that really yeah that just you want to chase be like them inspires you yeah so I mentioned her earlier but Stephanie Reed she always she was like my very first role model in the sport of paratrack and she always will be someone I look up to just because she's such like 
overall such a great human and um, really exemplifies uh, standing for para sport and the Paralympic movement and really educating people on disability and um, everything around that with being an athlete on top of that. She's just always something, somebody I've looked up to and like I've wanted to hopefully like achieve the same things that she has. Um, I'd say like otherwise, I've also really looked up to Serena Williams. I feel like that's all that's someone that like every young girl looked up to every young girl that was in sport looked up to at some point. And uh, yeah, just like the way she paved that space for women. And I always like really was inspired by that. But uh, yeah, I definitely think those were like my two role models growing up. It's funny you mentioned Serena Williams because so uh, we haven't mentioned it, but me and George, we have an app. It's called Cast. And um, I posted a question there saying, you know, after Brady won his seventh Super Bowl, do you think he's, you know, the greatest athlete of all time? And mm-hmm. so many people messaged me and they're or like wrote in the app, like, what about Serena Williams? What about Serena Williams? What about Serena Williams? And I said, yeah, you know, she's got 23, I think she's got 23 majors or what are they called in, in tennis? Grand slams. Grand slams. Grand slams. So she's got 23 grand slams and she just, she kills it. There's no one even close to her. You mentioned people are like, oh, what about, you know, Tiger Woods? Okay, well, Tiger Woods doesn't have the most amount of, he's not even technically one of the greatest golfers of all time, right? Like he's up there, but him and Jack Nicholson or Nicholas, whatever his name, they're kind of like the number one, two. Okay, you've got Jordan. Jordan's up there, but LeBron's basically almost there with him. Serena Williams and Michael Phelps are like those two athletes that stand far apart from everybody else. But yeah, it was just you said Serena Williams and it reminded me of that right away. Yeah, I mean, I think this like debate of who the greatest athlete of all time is is such a like nitpicky and like complicated conversation to have because what really defines like what being a great athlete is is so complicated because okay, so I'm in sport media and this is like a like at Ryerson University and this is a like a topic of conversation we always used to have and we'd always argue about is like what defines a sport and like you have all these like specific criteria it's like okay you check off a box you check off a box so like being the greatest athlete it's like the best stamina the best uh fitness the best strength the most titles won it's like there's all these different things that can kind of like come into play that it's like such a complicated conversation like for example Tom Brady Yes, he's had seven Super Bowls, but, and this might be a little controversial, but uh, football is only a North American sport. Nobody else in the world plays American football. And, like, he's the best at what he does, but in a very small space, if you will say. Whereas, like, soccer, for example, if you can, like, argue, like, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo is, like, the best soccer player of all time, that's, like, a global thing that is played by billions of people around the world. So I think like, it's a very complicated conversation. Cause like, I kind of chuckle when Tom Brady said at the Super Bowl, like we're the world championship t- champions. And I'm like, mm, that's debatable because like, <laughs> your sport Dad, is- We only- have a Tom Brady hater over here. I'm not a hater. I think he's like, <laughs> the fact that he like picked up and went to a, a team that wasn't even as good brought Gronk with him and then won is pretty impressive obviously he's an amazing athlete I have no doubts about that but just like when you're looking at the grand scheme of things it's like it's the NFL it's played in in America 
And I just like find it funny because I think it also kind of relates to how like a lot of Americans think they are the center of the universe. <laughs> and, you know, like kind of like that comes into play where they like, they're like, we're the world champions. I was like, but it only is, it's only in your country. Like, how can you be a world champion at something if it's just in your country? Like, that's where like the World Cup or like the Olympics um, or like the World Cup of anything you would be a world champion because you're playing against the entire world. So <laughs> I don't well, know. That's, ask, just bit, that's just a different perspective in the way I look at it. Take, I've never really heard somebody, and I, you clearly thought this out, which I really respect. So like, well, I mean, I, you know, hot, we love hot takes, but I, you know, I never really thought about it in that perspective. Like, you know, the most, I guess you can say Brady maybe is the most dominant in, in a, in a sport, but when you say athlete, that's an interesting point. Cause like you could argue that if it's the most dominant our i guess greatest athlete i mean michael phelps is a solo performer so he doesn't compete against anybody he's on the world stage competing against the best in the world and still continues to dominate so that's really even serena williams like tennis is actually i didn't really know this tennis is a, like i know it's global but i didn't realize how big globally i mean i'm realizing it now like i mean i didn't know like, we're gonna mention greece again here greece apparently it's like a national sport. number three like, like everybody like the um, <laughs> You know the uh, sorry, I gotta digress here, but we'll jump back. You know the um, what's her name? Uh, Socrates, the tennis player, the female Greek tennis player. She's from my village. I had no idea. Um, yeah, greatest village in the world. <laughs> but, no, but, but like the Serena Williams thing, I just, I kind of went there because I have to mention another one, one more Greek thing. Of course, you did. But like Serena Williams too is like the most dominant. She had a baby, came back in one, which is which is crazy. Um, but like it's a solo sport. So, I mean, you don't rely on anybody else either, which is really interesting. And Brady, like, yeah, dominant without a doubt. But, like, you have a team as well. So, it does take, you know, it's more than just one guy. So, anyways, that's a really interesting take, Marissa. I never really thought about it that way. Question to both of you. Who do you think is the greatest athlete of all time? Marissa, since you're the guest, you go first. Oh, I don't know, to be honest. I just, like, uh. Oh, don't don't play political here. I would say, I would, say, I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. Of all time, greatest athlete of all time. I You're think so. Ronaldo? Yeah, it's like it's again. I don't like answering this question because I feel like it's a complicated thing that like so many different things come into play that like affect it. Like that's why I look. I really look at things like big picture and um. It's like what check who checks off the most boxes of being like the greatest athlete. Like I have I have no idea. I would I don't think anybody would be able to know that answer because I think at this point it's just like opinionated. It is oh very my God. this is definitely a hot take, yeah. Um Bertie, what about you? So I you know, I just was trying to think about it as as Miss was talking, and I really think that it's hard to say who the best, but I, if I had to put like a Mount Rushmore, I think Phelps would be up there. Um, Phelps, maybe Usain Bolt. Um, mm -hmm. I'd probably say Floyd Mayweather because no one's ever touched him and he's 50, 50 and 0 plus his Looney's amateur career. Jordan is probably, I don't know, you know what? Athlete, I'd probably say LeBron is an athlete, like dominant Jordan, but athlete LeBron, I think, is better. I don't know, I think that's probably, and Serena, and I think that's now, Dallin Federer is kind of hard to say. Yeah, I'd say those people. Okay, but here's I, other yeah, thing to look at though like okay i would agree with the lebron one because 
if LeBron were to be put into like every other sport, do you think he'd be able to like play and dominate? That's how I think. That's what I think an athlete is. I think an athlete is like you can put them in a position of like something that they're not comfortable with and they'd be able to excel at it. So like, do you think that like, so for example, Usain Bolt was a track athlete. Now he's playing like pro soccer. So um, yeah, I think that that's also an interesting thing to look at is like, do you think that if this athlete was put in like any other sport, would they be able to dominate just as well? That's how I so, define athleticism as well. Because actually, Rick and I had this debate once recently where he said we talked about he said like boxing. You're like I don't consider that athletic like athlete. I consider athleticism the ability to be to be dominant across a, a, a multitude of things or anything that takes athletic ability. Wait, when that's, did I say boxing wasn't an athlete? I, I remember we made a joke one time. We're like, step in the ring. You're like, that's not athleticism. But the Don is on the podcast. You had a few drinks in that episode, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of pops, a couple of cottage springs. Oh, tell us um, your point. No, but I, I was going to say my my kind of Mount Rushmore is Michael Phelps, just because I don't think there will ever be another athlete that will ever do what he's done. You know, he went to three Olympics and dominated three Olympics, like, untouchable. I think he broke 12 world records in three Olympics. He's got, whatever, 15 gold medals, 17 gold. He's got more gold medals than some countries have gold medals. Anyway, so Michael Phelps is up there. I think Wayne Gretzky. And people say, oh, hockey was a different sport back in the day. And he only won three or four, three Stanley Cups, whatever. He dominated by a percentage, like the, the percent that he dominated by in his hockey has never, ever been done. He won the scoring title by like 30% some years, 40%. So imagine beating, like Marissa, imagine you beating your competition by 30%. It's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's that. And then I would probably throw up Brady just because like what he's done is insane. And then now, obviously, after hearing the, the arguments for Serena, I would probably throw Serena up there as well. Like I didn't realize she was this dominant. I always knew she was, you know, the GOAT tennis player. But then you pull up her stats and like, no, nah, she like she kicks ass. Like she like just doesn't lose. Or in her prime, I think now she's more towards the end of her prime. So now she does lose, and she's had a couple of injuries plus the baby. But in her prime, she didn't lose. It was like like Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. They just didn't lose. Pacquiao lost. He got knocked out pretty bad, actually. But yeah, yeah. But like in their in his prime, like he just didn't lose. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah, it's right? true. Yeah. Anyways, we got a little off topic there, but <laughs> I I agree though. I actually that's what I I do agree with that that statement. Like Brady, I think is the goat, but I do think that let being an athlete is your athletic ability, and that's what people often like. They say, you know, Michael Jordan was the greatest. Like, okay, he won. He was the most dominant, won six for six. But like, I mean, he probably could play some other sports, but I would say LeBron. LeBron could play any. I think LeBron could play soccer if he wanted to. Like honestly, yeah, I would agree. I would actually agree with that, and he could definitely probably do track as well. The other, the, there's actually, I remember like a little while back, I don't know if it was last year, there was like a huge controversial like conversation that was happening in social media after like an American broadcaster said how like track athletes are not that impressive because like any football player, like any wide receiver in the NFL could probably like show up and make the Olympics. And like people lost their mind when they heard that because, um, you know, like running a specific like 30 yard dash time is very different than um, like actually training in track. There's like so many things that people are unaware of that come with the sport and like how technical it is. It's an insanely technical sport. Um, 
it's it's constantly like figuring out how to alter your body to move in the fastest way it possibly can. Like that is what track is. Um, I love that. I've never heard it defined like that. Yeah. So um, it's insane because like mechanics play a huge role in that. And so I thought that that conversation was really, really funny how that commentator thought like basically track's not an impressive sport because any player in the NFL could basically like make the Olympics or beat Usain Bolt or Andre de Grasse or whatever. So I thought that was funny. Speaking of the, uh, uh, of the technical side. So your main event is the 60 meter you said, right? Uh, the 100, 200. We just run 60s like doors. Yeah. Okay. So the 100, how many steps is it for the 100 for you? Oh God. I don't know. Um, I've never calculated that before to no? be honest. No. Um, we- we had um she was a sprinter in the previous olympics uh felicia george yeah she's a sprinter and hurdler so we asked her like how many steps and she was like 96 or something i, I can't remember the exact number maybe i made that up but she, no, she exactly how she knew how many steps between hurdles didn't she yeah that's different hurdles yeah. is different. Yeah. you'd have to know how many steps between each hurdle you take for the i mean if i pulled up like my uh my uh what's it called my uh um, training like results like we do like testing and stuff like that i'm sure they'd be able to figure out how many steps i take in 100 but we've never actually like looked at that before oh i I would be kind of what did you think for five six seven (laughs) technically the you would want the least amount of steps possible uh, yeah you're right sorry i'm I'm obviously not an athlete um who on the who on team canada male or female and paralympian or olympian uh, is an athlete that you think is incredibly dominant uh, in their sport or in, uh, just overall? Hmm. Dang. Um, I would say um, on the para side, there's definitely a few that are like quite dominant. Um, the first people that come to mind, one of them is on the wheel- women's wheelchair basketball team, Cindy Willette, I think her name is. She is not only a a wheelchair basketball player, but she also went to the Winter Paralympics as well for, like, downhill skiing or snowboarding or something like that. So, um, and she medaled at both, I think. So, that's definitely one person that comes to mind. Um, Also, like, Oralie Rivard. She is a swimmer on the Paralympic side as well. She dominated in Rio at like, I think she was like my age in Rio. Um, so yeah, she definitely is someone that dominates. On the Olympic side, um, if we're talking like track, obviously like my mind goes to Andre de Grasse. Um, swimming, Penny, Alexiak. Um, She's our girl, we had her on early. Yeah, I, 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 I think the last, I chatted with Penny actually like a few weeks ago i was interviewing her for a school project actually which was kind of funny um it's still so funny that like olympians are still in school sometimes like you know like you're training for the biggest stage in the world and you have a math assignment due on monday yeah i always, I mean, I always thought that was so funny i'm really looking forward to finishing my degree um so that i can like really focus on track in the next few years of my life but um i I know that it's very important to get my degree at the same time because after track, there's obviously like a whole life I have to live. Can't do this forever. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I really want to get to get into Tom sport. Brady's done it for four till forty three though. 
man, I don't know. I, I think it's very different, like, being a female from that perspective. Because, like, I obviously want, like, a family and, like, kids in the future. And, like, that's obviously something I would want for in my life. Um, I look at a lot of athletes now that, like, have babies and come back to training. And I think it's, like, absolutely amazing because the amount of changes your body endures during that time and then to come back and, like, I know there was like the 400 meter runner champion from world championships last two years ago, I guess now she like had a baby and then came back and won world championships. And I was like, my absolutely mind blown. So things like that make me think like, okay, yeah, maybe I could and then come back and keep doing it. But I don't know. I think everything like will obviously take its pathway. And I, my, my goal is to compete in three more Olympics. So Tokyo this, this summer, Paris in 2024 and LA in 2028 that's the goal I've set for myself anything beyond that I think would be like a if I haven't achieved what I want to achieve maybe we'll just like give it one more go sort of thing Um, but like by then I'll be like 29 so um I think I'll want to look into transferring into you know getting into sport broadcasting and kind of doing like the other side of sports so yeah I mean that's kind of like a an idea I've had for myself, but I like obviously nothing set in stone. So things like definitely can change over time. But I think that's like where I can see myself ending up. Let me say like that's when I'm 29, we're 30, and now you made us feel super old. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but that's really cool. I mean, obviously, you know, it's like <clears throat> close to you, and and uh, that's gotta feel really good to know that you got into so early at a high level that you can. You know, you can at least look forward to having, you know, more opportunities and then kind of dictate your own career, right? Not like you have to, like, rush and say, oh, I didn't do it here, so I have to continue or I have to do this. And it's – you can kind of pave your – or blaze your own trail. And I guess you can, you know, you clearly have goals, but obviously there's no – it doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure on you. You can kind of be fluid with what you do, which is, which is cool. Yeah, and I think, like, especially since I've been in this sport for a long time, it kind of, like – that stuff sets up that idea in my mind like you know by the time I'm like 29 30 I think that it's an okay time to like do something new because it's it would be like such a long time (laughs) by that point that that would be like an 18 year career basically so um I think by then I would like love to move on to something new and try something different so yeah I can tell you this is Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, we, we, I mean, we have our careers and we've had, you know, we know each other since Western and we've had kind of our first phase of our, like, careers and all that. We actually just pivoted and started a completely new, uh, besides the podcast we started last year, uh, we founded a tech startup that we just recently launched. So, uh, literally, you can do it at any time. So, you got a lot. Don't worry about the age thing. You got got plenty of, uh, of time to kind of figure it out, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of how we look at it, too. It's like, I can get my degree in school now and, like, finish it up and, have that with me and then in the next like six seven eight years I can really focus on track and like being the best at what I do and really like going for achieving those goals so I think that'll just like allow me to kind of use the years to my best advantage uh while I can because I yeah like like you said like things will always be there like the opportunities will always be there so I definitely want to take advantage of it while I can Awesome. Um, I know it's uh, interesting you said. So you do the sports media program at Ryerson, right? Mm-hmm. When I was uh, around your age, a little bit younger, obviously, and I was deciding which school I was going to go to, I decided I wanted to go to Western. But if I didn't get into Western, I was going to do the sports broadcasting program at Brock because Ryerson didn't have one at the time. 
and I was going to go to Brock for sports broadcasting because that's what I wanted to do. That was when I was a kid, eh, George? Fun fact. I wanted, to be uh, sports broadca- I wanted to be a sports broadcaster or a sports agent. And then I realized you have to be a lawyer to be an agent. <laughs> so I, 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 I hate reading long, like boring documents. So lawyer was out. Uh, so I was like, I'll go into sports broadcasting. I can do that. How hard could it be? And now I have a podcast with my pal. Yeah. I think I knew that because I knew you loved to be in the spotlight, pal. <laughs> no, oh, man, the more the more I hear the more I hear people getting in trouble in the spotlight, the less I want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> like I got I got I got skeletons in my closet, so I can't I don't want to be in the spotlight. Um, but before we start to wrap up, I did want to ask some more questions um, on based on travel. So you said early on that you usually travel two or three times every winter. This is the longest you've been in cold weather. What's your favorite place you've ever been? Um. To compete, uh, London. Uh, just England. in general, too. Uh, yeah, I would say to compete, London, England, for sure, because they by far have the best sport fans in the world. They love para sport there. They're so educated on all of the Paralympic athletes. They absolutely love it. They eat it up, and it, I think it just like makes me feel like I like I've accomplished something. Like I don't know, every other country that I've competed in, it's just not the same. Um, they don't have that like same type of knowledge and uh openness to parasport so definitely to compete would be london and i also love the city it's that i've been there twice and i just absolutely adore the city i would definitely see myself living there um and then to train i would say grenada i've been there three times now we usually go we spend january there and i i love the country i've just like really grown an attachment to it because it just like it feels like a second home when we go train there now because we've been a few times and um, the people are so, so nice. They love having us there. It's hot all the time. It's such great weather to train in. And then what can beat having like the beach 30 seconds from your hotel room. So that's definitely like the best combination for um, training and relaxing and like really kind of performing at the optimum. So I would say those are my two favorites. Gotcha. Yeah. I want. I had one. I only have one last question I wanted to ask because obviously being a, a, a Nike athlete, have you read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight? No, I haven't actually. Highly recommend it. It kind of tells a story about how Nike was founded before it was Nike. Um, when he found, I think it was called Blue Ribbon, uh, and that's how he got started. It's really, really, really cool. Uh, really good book. So I little recommendation. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for that. No problem. Um, yeah, well, Marissa, it's been a pleasure having you on. This is the part where we usually start to uh, to wrap up. But we do have two questions we ask every single guest. The first, if there was a movie about your life, who would you want to star as you? It could oh, be anyone from any point in time. Um, that's such a hard question. I feel like I've, well, I've gotten a lot from people that I kind of resemble Gal Gadot, like Wonder Woman. Um, so that would, I guess, that would, I guess, be it. Cause like one, she's Wonder Woman. So she's like awesome. And it's like such a badass. Um, and then I guess two, cause like I've been told she kind of resembles, that's the only person I've told is like my celebrity lookalike. So I guess I would pick her. Love it. Love it. Uh, the last question is if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? I definitely, uh, would say, honestly, just like keep doing what you're doing because, um, 
everything that I did when I was younger, just like being unapologetically me really paid off in the future. So I would just say like, keep being you definitely. Great advice. Love that. Love it. Love it. Marissa, if people want to find out more about you, your career and everything you're doing, where should they go? How can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Marissa underscore Paps. That's P-A-P-S. Um, and yeah, I, I have the same handle for Twitter. I'm not really into a whole. Oh, and TikTok. I'm yeah, I like TikTok as well. I'm <laughs> Marissa underscore Paps as well there. But it might be not. I think it might be Marissa Paps. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't even know. I don't even know, but I love using TikTok. It's so fun. <laughs> do, uh, do you do you make them or do you just casually watch? I watch a, like an excessive amount, and I casually make them as well. <laughs> I do I a little no bit, like what... collection, and then I'll do a little bit of like my training and stuff like that, like Road to Tokyo, and then like the odd trend I'll follow as well. So yeah. Do you have any that went viral? I did. I had one. So um, it got like 2.3 million views or something like that. And rushed it. Was I literally just like made a video about like how I mentally get through hard workouts and that like I guess they like TikTok liked it. So yeah. Wow. Love that. Love that. Um, well, yeah, Georgie. Anything else? That's all for me. I honestly, it's been it's been great chatting with you. Obviously, good luck with your training and and your road to. Uh, Tokyo and everything and uh I mean we uh we've had a few Olympians and now Paralympians on on this so Ricky and I will be glued if we're not there we'll be glued to the TV uh cheering cheering you on and uh best of luck thank you thanks for having me no problem perfect thanks for chatting Marissa stay on for two seconds just so we we're going to take a little picture <laughs>